Welcome to Wrestling at Random. I'm Jeremy Deemer. And I am Adam Summers. And this is season three of the podcast where we dump all the wrestling content, major shows, weekly TV, anything we could find on the internet. We dumped it into the randomizer. We fire it up and it randomly picks something from any territory, any time, any type of show. And we review it here. And the randomizer took us back to ECW. It's pulled it's pulled ECW a few times. We've reviewed some great pay-per-views. We've reviewed some fun hardcore TV episodes. And we've reviewed the WWE edition of ECW. That's right. That's right. We've even had the WWE version of ECW. The dying days of the WWE version of ECW. And if you listen to our bonus content if you're a subscriber via patreon apple Podcasts, or whatever paywall we're currently behind for those then uh, you are uh, able to also hear us uh, do some fan requested some listener requested ecw as well so no shortage of ecw here on the podcast and the randomizer dips back into the ecw pool one more time for another episode of Hardcore TV, this time April 24th, 1999. Yeah, and it is, it's a very, we'll get to it, it's an interesting time for ECW, and you know, <laughs> this show, this particular episode of ECW Hardcore TV, one of the strangest episodes of ECW television, whether it be the syndicated show or the, uh, uh, the ECW on TNN vintage that I can recall watching. And I was, uh, I was as hardcore, uh, not to uh, use a pun there, but as hardcore of an ECW fan as you could find. And, uh, and yeah, this, this was a weird one. It was, yeah, I'm always rooting for the randomizer to pull, uh, an ECW on TNN episode. Yes. I'd love, Which we haven't had happen yet. We have not had one of those yet. We got more hardcore TV here. And yeah, last time, Good shows, usually, you know, very ECW style of shows. This one, like you mentioned, very strange layout, and there were some reasons why we'll get to those in a bit. We're actually, we should mention, this show is just almost exactly four months prior uh, to the beginning of ECW on TNN. So this show opened with, a Paul Heyman voiceover and listing off a whole bunch of wrestlers and saying all these wrestlers are going to change. Yes, this was a very uh it was a very strange way to start the show. There's no background music. There was just static images, I believe, of each of these guys and Paul Heyman in a very understated voice if you can imagine that saying that the lives of Sabu, Rob Van Dam, the Dudleys just incredible and lance storm will all change dramatically tonight here on ecw hardcore tv thankfully something that hadn't changed at this point and rarely did in ecw was the classic ecw intro theme song and video montage so happy that we got to hear the ecw theme song here wasn't there a show whether it be on the uh, pay-per-view or maybe it was on the patreon there was something an ecw show that we reviewed that did not have the open no we were robbed very upset about that now here we got it it is it is something that 
any you know we've talked about it a few times here but it's anytime you hear that song it takes you to ECW it oh, conjures absolutely. up images of ECW it's not only images of ECW but it takes you back to that time period in your life when you were a big ECW fan or when you were going to shows or like when I hear that music I think of it being like 2 a.m. whatever it was Friday night into Saturday morning in Chicago uh, on WJYS a very weak station it, it, when ECW would be on TV and just the excitement of that like oh I shouldn't be watching this as a kid but I'm watching it yeah, it was. It, it's so great to hear, and and yeah, every it's it's on the Mount Rushmore of, of great themes. And I loved during the WWE, ECW, WCW invasion angle. I loved that that it was being used as entrance theme music for yes. wrestlers. And yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, absolutely great. It's a great song. Well, you, even into modern days, in, in very recent years. All Japan had a tag team tournament where Masato Tanaka and Tajiri, two former ECW wrestlers, teamed up, and their entrance music was the ECW theme song. I, did someone have the ECW theme song on that Hustle show we reviewed? I the... believe so. I can't recall off the top of my <laughs> yeah. head who it was, yes. but I believe you are correct that yeah. someone did have that on that show as well. So, so it's, uh... great song. Uh, the So after the intro... We see Joey Styles, and he's explaining that this is post-show from a show in Buffalo, New York, and he welcomes us, telling us that the Athletic Commission took the tape of the main event, and they are not able to air it. They're going to try to get it, and then they tell us that Sabu's wrestling license might be suspended by the by the commission, the athletic commission. Yeah, they took the tape of the main event. They don't tell us exactly why, but it has something to do with that they're deciding whether or not to suspend Sabu's license to wrestle uh, in the state of New York. The show uh, was ostensibly, I guess, granted most of what we saw ended up not being from there, but the uh, the match that this that they're talking about took place at the Burt Flickinger Center in Buffalo, New York, one of the great, I would say, unheralded ECW venues, by the way. People talk about ECW Arena. They talk about the Elks Lodge in Queens. But uh, the Burt Flickinger Center is uh, is an immediately recognizable building uh, in ECW history as well when you see it on TV. Yeah, they, they talk about if Sabu's license gets suspended, then other athletic commissions have to uphold that suspension. And Yeah, they reference Mike Tyson at some point, so I don't know if this is a playoff, something with Mike Tyson yeah, Mike, that was going on around then from right, ear biting I, or something. I believe that that was around the time when uh, Mike Tyson was banned from, uh, he was suspended, but they, they let him fight in like Memphis, or they, they found some place where yeah. the athletic commission let him uh, box, so this was timely for that so Sabu was uh at risk here uh for something they didn't go into any details they didn't tell us why what was going on with the tape or anything they just said they'll they'll try to fill us in later and so we go to the ring for the opening match and we we get the FBI, the full-blooded Italians. The new and improved FBI. I don't know if it's like the new and improved Rockers. I was waiting for Leaf Cassidy to be part of the FBI here. 
Yeah, but we, we should mention, by the way, as well, that the, the reason they go to this match is that Joey Styles basically says, this is the only footage we have currently available from the show in Buffalo. <laughs> this is the only footage that, that they did. The State Athletic Commission did not confiscate this. However, when I see, uh, I won't say one half, but I'll say the second two thirds of the new and improved FBI, Big Sal, I'm wondering how did the Athletic Commission allow this guy to get in the ring and wrestle? Yeah, this this is Little Guido and Big Sal making up the FBI. Little Guido, yes. Sal E. Graziano. Yeah, so Sal E. Graziano, um, they they said he's six foot eight, six hundred pounds or whatever. Yeah, so they said he's six a foot massive eight. He's, guy. He's definitely not he's six foot eight, not but that he tall. is. He's in ECW height compared to the other guys in the company. He's he's relatively six foot eight. They say he's 603 pounds. And usually, if you listen to this podcast, we always point out how ridiculous it is when they say that guys are 400 or 500 or 600 pounds. He might not have been 600, but looking at this guy, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he was topping five. Yeah, he was absolutely massive. <laughs> Just massive, but the, the gear is also hilarious. Here's He's here to wrestle, which is a relatively rare thing for him in ECW. But he is wearing, he's got like a beret on. He's got a giant FBI shirt, obviously. And then he's wearing the biggest jorts you've ever seen and tennis shoes. Yeah, well, like massive jorts is like the official like fat guy look of 1999. Like you you were, if you were a a guy of that size, uh, you you were wearing jorts at all times. Your options were limited. Yeah. This this was the closest thing to athletic gear that Sally Graziano was able to find. Uh, And the juxtaposition of him with tiny, super athletic, ripped uh, little Guido, who is, you know, a legitimate athlete uh, to some extent, it's it's quite the look. And Joey Sells makes a point of saying that Unlike uh, previous iterations of the full-blooded Italians, uh, the two guys in this team are actually full-blooded Italians. So I consider that shots fired at Tommy Rich and Tracy Smothers, uh, and I do not forgive Joey Siles for that. Yeah, the the list of athletes in this match starts and ends with Little Guido, as their opponents are Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. You are wrong. Balls Mahoney, we learn later on, is a decorated amateur wrestler. Uh, and I have a specific point to to make about the point Joey Styles made uh, about that. We'll get to that later. But yes, uh, not a lot of catches catch can professional wrestling here in this match, other than from uh, Little Guido, who had actually competed in shoot style professional wrestling organizations before. They also say that Little Guido is only like 25 years old here, which I I, I guess maybe that's true. I, I didn't realize he was that young when he was in ECW. Yeah, because Little Guido looks exactly the same throughout Forever. his entire 10-plus year career. Uh, balls he basically is- has Arn Anderson syndrome, but he, it was at, he stopped at like 28 or 30 rather than like immediately looking 45 years old and then not aging for the entirety of his career. I was never a fan of Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. I do like... Uh, the the big balls theme song here for balls I do like that but that's where it ends I, I was like never Mahoney. a fan never I, a fan balls is a is a solid when he was in matches that called on him to wrestle he was a perfectly acceptable wrestler I actually thought the match that he had with uh, with Rob Van Dam at Anarchy Rules '99 just a few short months later that you and I were both at 
was solid. But no, I mean, most of the stuff in ECW was, it was either, you know, him and Axel teaming and really, really sort of boring by the numbers matches or really crazy, you know, uh, hardcore uh, bloodlust type of matches. So I guess we'll see which one we get here. So they, they have a graphic at the bottom of the screen saying that the Athletic Commission took the tape due to the controversial decision. And then another one saying Sabu might lose his license. Yeah, these are breaking news Chiron straight from like 90s CNN. That yes. is the graphic. It is the font. It says late breaking news instead of breaking news. It says ECW live in the lower right corner, even though that's only 50% correct. It's ECW, but is it definitely not live? And yes, it is. Uh, one Chiron says late breaking news. Sabu's wrestling license may be revoked. And then the next one says RVD embroiled in major controversy. And then there's another one that basically says, we're not going to tell you anymore. You have to stick around to find out. They were doing this from time to time in ECW. I remember uh, what I think is one of the best uh, episodes of ECW TV, sort of outside of what people think of the glory days of ECW in 95 and 96, and maybe even into 97. Uh, the episode where uh, Justin Credible uh, attacked Tommy Dreamer in the ECW arena, they did a great job sort of teasing things out kind of like they did here on this episode, but it was done far better there. And I think that was the first time they used the, uh, the breaking news graphic, the Chiron. Uh, I, I kind of wish we would have gotten that episode instead of this one, huh. but uh, yeah. the, the randomizer does not care about what we want. No. And, and so I, you know, unlike ECW, who's going to wait to tell us at the, the end of the show, I'm going to tell you right now. No, why... let's wait till the end. Let's let people, <laughs> let's let people feel uh, if they don't subscribe to the streaming service that has this actual episode of ECW. I want people to feel the confusion that we felt uh, because okay. I, to me, it builds perfectly to just utter mass confusion at the end where Joey Styles, before we go to the main event, tries to explain this in like, I, I was shocked that he had enough breath to get all the words out to explain all of this. So he, I, I kind of want to just, when we get there, we'll say read it. off we'll what say I have on my notes and see how close it is to what actually happened. Cause I was like, I had carpal tunnel by the end of that explanation from Joey Styles, about three quarters of the way through this show. Lots of stalling in this match. Guido ducking between the ropes, running away. A lot of stalling, a lot of chance that 100% you would not hear at most wrestling shows now. You could <laughs> no. not get away with now. And it's a good thing that you can't get away with it now. These were, uh, it's, I don't want to say funny, obviously isn't the right word, but it's interesting, and I guess it's all when you look at you know time periods and society and everything, but you look at even the wrestling promotions in modern days that are considered the most hardcore, the most extreme, the most violent, the most edgy. You don't have any of what you had here with, uh, with these chants and the fact that the people who were uh, the people in the match that were encouraging these chants were the baby faces. Sure, is, yeah. Again, like it's not shocking if when you're in ECW, you're sort of in that mindset and you're watching it every week or when you're back then, because that's just for better or worse and definitely for worse. That was part of the whole deal. But man, like just watching this one off cold, so many years separated from watching ECW every week. It's just it, it was weird. A kick to the balls and a punch to the face by Axel Rotten. So you, but when you say that, though, you don't mean Axel turned on his partner. <laughs> no, no. He hits little Guido. Clear. 
particularly in, in this episode of ECW, where clarity is going to be very important as we move along. Yes, yeah, so Rotten has the advantage on little Guido, and the crowd starts chanting, we want balls, we want balls. And Axel doesn't tag him in. No. Instead, he does a shoulder block, then tags in balls. That was so weird. Totally missed an opportunity for a huge pop so that he could get a shoulder block in. Yeah, it was strange, particularly when outside of swinging chairs, like the whole point of this tag team is just to to pop the crowd early on in the shows because, you know, the crowd loves them. And uh, and that's that. We also have a lot of uh, chain wrestling from Axel Rotten. Um, we did have a great spot where uh, he's stuck in a hammerlock. He can't get out. He's like, oh, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And then he just throws a low blow. And much like WCW one year later, uh, for no apparent reason, at least here in ECW, Extreme is in the name, uh, the low blow goes completely unchecked by the referee. Big leg drop by balls to the back of Guido's head. Guido slides out of a slam attempt, hits a drop kick, and then he tags in Big Sal. Now, Big Sal squashes balls with what Joey Styles called a sidewalk slam. This was not that. No, this was a gorilla monsoon bear hug <laughs> into a slam. I called it the hug slam. That's the, the hug only way slam. I can yes, it. that is what he, it was. He has him in a momentary bear hug and then just lets his feet go out from under him. And in some ways, it's the most terrifying slow <laughs> speed Thez press you've ever seen. Yeah, then he hits a body slam and Guido's right back in. Guido takes down balls into a Fujiwara armbar. Sal comes back in, and now he hits an actual sidewalk slam. But before that, that's where you talk about you know, the Fujiwara armbar, the cross arm breaker. Joey Styles says that because Balls Mahoney was a decorated high school wrestler, he knew how to negate the cross arm breaker. I'm not the, the biggest expert in amateur wrestling, but I'm pretty sure the thing that semer, separates amateur wrestling from mixed martial arts, for example, is that you can't use submission holds. So I don't think balls learn the escape to the cross arm breaker on the mats in high school, in Nutley, New Jersey. Yeah. It sounds like a tough high school there though. You never know yes. what practice was like. Yeah. That, yes, <laughs> that is true. So Guido tries a leg drop off the shoulders of Sal. So jumping off of Sal's, uh, six foot eight shoulders, and uh, he misses the leg drop. He misses the leg drop, but then pretty much no sells it and is back on offense working over the leg of one balls Mahoney. Uh, we do have to go back and mention right before that you said that side slam. How about the ring when when uh, Sal E. Graziano hits this side slam on balls Mahoney? The ring bounces like a straight up trampoline, and I'm sure that's from all that 603 pounds, but. <laughs> I don't recall I've ever seen a ring bounce quite to that degree, even off like, you know, top rope superplex from two relatively big guys. Balls hits a belly to back suplex and tags in Axel Rotten. He had a, a straight up Kings Road uh, backdrop driver. This was just <laughs> uh, so some late 90s All Japan head dropping excess here from Balls Mahoney in ECW. Maybe he, I guess he probably was watching a, like a Kawada Kobashi match from that same time period earlier in the day, I guess couple of shots and then all four men are in the ring balls and axel both hit sal with brutal chair shots oh and then they get the pin eight minutes and some change uh 
a, at least a the nothing chair shots, opener. Yeah, it was it was really nothing. It was it was basically a stalling like house show babyface versus heel tag match, and then the chair shots at the end. But you mentioned how brutal those were. The first one, at least, it was to the back. The shot from Axel. But the chair shot to the head of Sally Unprotected Graziano. head chair shot. Oh, my God. And if you were an ECW fan back then, you certainly remember the unprotected Balls Mahoney chair shots. If Also, by the way, if you're a fan of this podcast, you'll recall, I believe it was an episode. Was it, uh, was it last season or was it one in season one where we reviewed an ECW show that they had, I believe it was Highlights of Balls Mahoney versus Sandman oh, and Balls God. Mahoney got killed with chair shots. And that basically was what made him hardcore and, and sort of endeared him to the ECW fans. Uh, from then on, he pretty much was paying it forward. I guess if you want to call it that, because Whew. this chair shot here and many others going forward were as brutal as they get. And we talk about things not looking or sounding good through modern eyes from ECW. These chair shots my God. And when you look at it, I mean, and granted, they were the guys delivering head sh- uh, chair shots, but neither Balls Mahoney nor Axel Rotten are with us anymore. So we cut to a clip of, uh, I don't know if this was a, this was a pay-per-view, I think. Uh, this was... Uh, uh, no, was this... Cyber Slam was never a pay-per-view. Cyber Slam was uh, like a big ECW This is a big arena. house show? Okay. Yeah, so... big ECW arena super card, which they... They didn't do quite as many of those, you know, once the pay-per-view era they, started. Yeah, but, they were in the pay-per-view era now. Yeah. So oh, this by was, a couple of years. Yeah, so but this, yeah was this was Cyber Slam 99, right? Yes. So we see a clip of Taz in the ring with Steve Carino. A very young Steve Carino. This is right when Carino came into ECW. Uh, he does not have the bleach blonde hair. He's super skinny. He's wearing a singlet, and he has long uh, sort of greasy brownish uh, black hair, uh, and, and he's almost as much of a uh, manager at this point as he is a wrestler. He's a total coward. He's always begging off. He's trying, basically, finding another way to get out of having to wrestle Taz here. Which, by the way, Taz looking as intimidating as ever in the ring, world title belt on, black towel over his head. Yeah, he's just standing there menacing. Yeah. While Carino is freaking out and the crowd is chanting, Taz is going to kill you <laughs> over and over again. And Carino says uh, he broke his appendix doing a 480-pound bench press. So he's unable to wrestle Taz, but he named a substitution. Well, first, before he named a substitution, he pointed to his armpits when he said he broke his appendix, which was great. Then he said he, he would wrestle, but he has to go to the hospital and have both of them removed, uh, which apparently he thinks he has appendices rather than an appendix. Uh, Carino was so much fun uh, even back then. Just uh, just a great. No, Carino uh, was great in this, in this chicken heel role, and Taz was awesome as just like a terrifying scary guy in the ring ready to kill somebody well he was he was great as a terrifying guy in the ring ready to kill somebody and it was also another one of those things where paul Heyman's booking it almost made you not see what you were seeing before your eyes because steve carino was taller than taz yep. he he definitely weighed more than taz even though he wasn't as you know he wasn't heavy at all but yet you look at him and you look at Taz and in your mind, Taz is six foot four and he's going to murder this tiny guy. Yeah, you really 
you didn't see the size differential. No, uh, not at all. In your mind, like I said, Taz was the big man that is going to murder the little man, even though Carino had height and weight on Taz. So the substitution comes out. It's Tammy Sitch, the former WWF Sonny, leading out her her husband, the uh, Chris Candido, the former... Uh, skip of the body donnas from the <laughs> yes. if you're listening in linear fashion last week's SummerSlam pay-per-view so that would have been three years prior to this and this is where they are now tammy sitch and chris candido here in ecw yeah and it's crazy that only three years have gone by because man tammy sitch has has fallen at this point like you can just see it in her eyes this know, is not She's not in the same, not in as good of a place as she was in 96. And she wasn't in a particularly great place, I don't think, at that time in 1996. But uh, it, that's not the only parallel, by the way, between this and that SummerSlam show. What happens at the end of this match, again, has me wondering, <laughs> uh, what is up with the randomizer and these weird parallels that it'll draw from week to week? Yeah, we we cut to later in the match, Candido's... He comes off the top, does a dive onto Taz in the front row. Chris Candido jumps over the guardrail, uh, jumps off the top rope over the guardrail with a plancha, not something you would necessarily expect to see. We then get the record scratch. We cut forward. And now Candido is jumping off the Eagle's Nest broadcast position with an elbow drop onto Taz. Who's uh, on the floor. Yeah, brutal. On the floor for a two, only a two count. So we're doing false count anywhere here. Uh, we cut back into the ringside area, into the ring, and Te- or excuse me, Candido is is setting Taz up for the blonde bombshell, the top rope power bomb. Taz counters and hits a head and arm Tazplex off the top rope. Candido, with a chain assisted punch, only gets a two count. Yeah, Tammy slipped him the chain as he was hanging over. Uh, the bottom rope Taz barely kicks out and the crowd bought this as a finish. They thought that Chris Candido was going to be the new ECW champion. Now there's a table set up in the corner, standing straight up, leaning against the corner. Taz has the Taz mission on Candido. And then he turns it into like a suplex and flips Candido over into the table. Yeah. The rarely used Taz mission plex, which was, Kind of like the ultimate, uh, it was the fatality finisher for Taz. And putting a guy through a propped up table was uh, was a super fatality, I guess you could say. And yeah, Tammy is screaming. Uh, the ref waves it off. Uh, we cut forward and Chris Candido, for the second week here on this podcast, has his neck in a He's neck brace. In a neck brace again. <laughs> what is going on here? I was waiting for <laughs> Zip to come out to, uh, to console Candido, but he's in a neck brace. He's being wheeled out on a stretcher. The crowd is chanting "F.U. Taz," and so Taz has a response to that. Yeah, Taz hits the aisle and beats him up while he's on the stretcher, and yeah. he sends him back into the ring. Puts the Taz mission on again. This segment was awesome. The yeah. just the highlights of this were were off the charts. Just great, yeah. fantastic. It was Taz being Taz at his most. Taz uh, he mauled. Chris Candido, when Candido was on the stretcher on the floor, uh, knocked the <laughs> knocked the uh, knocked the stretcher over, threw him back in the ring, and that visual of Taz having Chris Candido 
in the Taz mission as Candido is in a neck brace. In a neck brace. Unbelievable. That was, uh, that was tremendous stuff. So this was only heavily clipped, uh, highlight form, but heavily enjoyable, highly enjoyable as well. Could have used more of that and less of the eight minutes of the new and improved <laughs> FBI versus the chair swinging freaks. But such is life here uh, when you're dealing with the randomizer on this podcast. So we go to commercial. We come back. Joey Styles is at the uh, the regular ECW broadcast position, as we've talked about in previous episodes, with that ECW flag behind him, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's actually uh, those shots were always recorded, I think, in like Paul Heyman's parents' basement or something. <laughs> right. Like there's some great behind the scenes pictures of, of some of those. But Joey Styles says that uh, Chris Candido is in a halo now and the future of his career is not known. So some three years later, at least in storyline mode, he is right back where he started from at SummerSlam 96. More highlights from CyberSlam 99. Because, Joey Styles reiterates, we do not have tape of the main event yet. He says we have, quote, been caught with our pants down, unquote, and have to put together, uh, put a show together on the fly. So here are more highlights from CyberSlam 99. It is Poppy Chulo, uh, who's also been known as careers as a Rios in the WWF, uh, taking on, speaking of WWF, the returning Takamishinoku here to ECW. Loud welcome back chance for Taka. Which is incredible because Taka came to the ring wearing his his uh, like thin silk robe that had a WWF scratch logo on it. And I, I thought for sure these ECW vampires were going to boo him out of the building. But no, uh, maybe they didn't notice. They didn't care. No, they're they smart so enough happy. to know that Taka Mishinoku is great and they yes. should cheer everything he does. Yeah. Well, and their opportunities to see him in the ECW arena were so limited. I think maybe his only prior appearance in the arena, if I'm not mistaken, would have been uh, that six-man tag at the ECW Barely Legal pay-per-view, the, the Mishinoku Pro six-man tag. The match starts. We see uh, an impressive lucha arm drag off the top by Chulo. A lot of jumping and uh, and springboarding into into some flips. It was Got, more impressive, by the way, than the dubbed music that each of these guys had on this oh, version. Dub music is ridiculous. Yeah, it. Uh, but it, sometimes it, it works. Like the the like uh, knockoff. Is it like New Jack? <laughs> no, that's not okay. Uh, this was more like the New Jack song. Um, but the. Uh, the knockoff of the uh, of, of the Balls Mahoney entrance song was totally fine. It was basically just the song without the words. Yeah, that uh, was the Tommy, a... the Tommy Dreamer one is is great. Yeah, uh, you know that that's could... a knockoff of Man in the Box. You yes. know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This these were not these were they put zero thought into this at all. Uh, but yeah, he said that big uh, lucha arm drag uh, by Poppy Chulo. Then he hits a big spinning heel kick. Uh, and yeah, he's looking good here. I, my memories of SA Rio slash Papi Chulo in, in WWF are fairly, uh, fairly cloudy. I remember seeing him on shows. I definitely recall that that was the introduction of Lita into yep. the WWF off of her ECW run as Miss Congeniality, but he, he didn't do a whole lot of note there. No. And, uh, this was, uh, this performance, uh, significantly better than his, uh, WWF run, uh, yeah. for sure. This this was a great showing here. He's again, sl- highlighted form, sadly. We don't see this in full, we don't. but what we see is, is like, again, give me more of this and less of the new improved FBI versus the chairs, hardcore chair swinging freaks. Yeah, he slams ta- Taka and goes to the top rope. S.A. Rios misses a 450. 
Taka then to the top. He gets crotched. We get a springboard into a Rana by Chulo. Yeah, a double jump Rana. He jumps up uh, to the top rope and then jumps off from, from the side into this top rope Rana. Very cool. Tornado DD. Oh, we so there's a every time I'm I'm like there's hey where's the weird transitions? What's going on? It's because it's literally in clip form, so we're yeah. just skipping right ahead. So it's big move to big move to big move, and the next big move, as you were saying, is was that tornado DDT by Taka Mishinoku, who right. throws the best tornado a tornado DDT this side of Masato Tanaka. It was so good. Gets a two count. Taka then gets backdropped over the top to the floor. But Taka gets to the apron and cuts off Chulo's dive attempt. Yeah, this was cool. I fully expected, uh, even though that's the side where you really almost can't dive because the guardrail is so close to the ring, uh, the far side uh, opposite the, the hard cam. But still, it was cool to see him cut that off. Hits a forearm. Uh, Taka comes off the top rope going for something. Uh, but Papi Chulo counters it with a midair drop kick. Yeah, we cut ahead and... Taka's going for the Tornado DDT again, but Chulo just launches him off. Very yeah, helicopter counter. Him off. Very, very cool counter, basically utilizing the momentum of the man spinning with the Tornado DDT. He just, he just threw him off, and as I said, he sort of helicoptered through the air into the mat. Taka's on the outside, and Chulo does a flip dive over the post all the way out to the floor. Yeah, this was awesome. This was one of the more impressive dives we've seen on an ECW show. And it was one of the, again, the the setup for the ECW arena, which is pretty unique in that the entranceway, it's, I don't know, it's diagonal. It's very narrow. Uh, and so really, again, there, there aren't a whole lot of great spots to do a dive other than there. But, uh, you know, you don't see a whole, lot of, a whole lot of guys do a dive where you're jumping over the corner post. And so this was... Very impressive. And it's not as if also, it's not as if Papi Chulo was a tiny guy. He's significantly bigger than Taka Mishinoku, and this was uh, very impressive. Skipping ahead, we get a springboard dropkick to the back of Chulo's head. Talk about impressive. This was uh, this was the best springboard dropkick to the back of the head you'll see this side of Shinjiro Otani. This, was, this landed perfectly. Like He caught him right at the base of the skull. We skip ahead again. Taka misses a pretty-looking moonsault. He got all kinds of height on this one. All kinds of height. He had the arms outstretched. This was uh, this was gymnastics level. In some ways, it actually looked like maybe not as high of an arc, but similar to a Kurt Angle top rope moonsault. Yeah, both of them are just... The, it, it's pretty. They're, like, hanging in air. Like Yeah, it's not like a Muda moonsault, which is just all snap. Yeah. This is hang time and grace, or is that speed and force in addition to looking very good as well? We get a Rana attempt that's countered into a powerbomb by Taka Mishinoku. Taka then hits the Mishinoku driver for the pin. Well, he hits a different version of the Mishinoku driver, one that I'm shocked he didn't use more as time went by and hasn't been ripped off more. It's a Mishinoku driver, but it's from the reverse position. It's basically an inverted Mishinoku driver, uh, and he drops some almost brainbuster style as far as the angle. Uh, this was nasty. Joey Styles basically said, "Well, is this the new? You know, is this the new Mishinoku driver?" Because it should really, have been. It, it should. should have been the Mishinoku driver number three, because number one is actually just a brainbuster. Number two 
is the move that in the U.S. everyone just knows as the Mishinoku driver. Then we had this thing, which was brutal. It looked like an awesome match from the highlights. I enjoyed the highlights. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Super so Cyber fun. Slam looked like a heck of a show. <laughs> yes, it looked like a heck of a show in clipped form. It looked like a show that we could have used seeing more of here on this episode other than, uh, rather than I should say, some of the stuff that we saw. Uh, but it is what it is. We come back from commercial, and this is where they attempt to explain what is going on. So, but they don't tell you that they're explaining what's going on. They just start by like recapping. Yeah, we're just going to recap this angle here with via digital photos. There were, yeah, there were still photos and they were recapping the caning attack on Tommy Dreamer and Francine getting caned by Beulah. So, so they're, they're walking through this attack with still still pictures and they're they're voicing it over and then somehow joy styles starts explaining like without stopping it just keeps going into explaining how this became a tag team match and then somehow the dudleys got involved and he tried to recap this and there is just way too much going on your head is exploding trying to figure out what's happening and every time you think he's done it just (laughs) kept going and i'm like what is happening it It was i feel like apologizing to even the craziest most like haphazard episodes of tna impact or even a uh a vince russo booked episode of nitro because just in terms of the sheer number of things happening that are seemingly disconnected but are somehow connected in a short amount of time and maybe it was just like you said the way this is explained and the fact that it was done with only stills but it is it's something else i'm going to read verbatim jeremy my notes i can't this believe, is the- i can't believe you were able to take notes on this I, my mine just says like like uh, it just says micro machines guy do you remember do you <laughs> yes! remember the micro machines yes! guy where the commercial in the uh, <laughs> where the guy would just talk like a million miles an hour i'm like i'm like they they needed that guy here to explain what was happening because we it are, was just so much stuff we are dating ourselves here but yes after you finish listening to this podcast if you're not familiar with the micro machines commercials look that up on youtube <laughs> and you will understand what i'm about to read I'm not going to read in that fast, uh, in that fast <laughs> of a cadence, but this is as best I could understand what occurred here. We're back from commercial. We see digital photos of Tommy Dreamer and Francine. Apparently, Justin Credible and Lance Storm had jumped Shane Douglas in the back. Shane Douglas and Tommy Dreamer are aligned, and I have no recollection of this <laughs> whatsoever as a hardcore ECW fan. In the ring, Dreamer tried to protect Francine and gets caned by Justin Credible and Lance Storm. Uh, Dawn Marie, who is called Beulah McGillicuddy for yes. some reason, even though obviously Beulah is someone different, uh, she canes Francine. The locker room empties to help. I note that Jason, uh, the manager of sorts uh, for... Uh, just incredible. One of the many managers he would have simultaneously during his run in ECW is wearing a neck brace. So that actually makes it three men on this show, wearing a neck brace along with Chris Candido. And for some reason, ring announcer, Bob Ortiz 
is wearing a neck brace as well. And I guess it would actually be four because we will see Joel Gertner later at ringside. That's so right. a discount uh, at the local medical supply store on neck braces here in ECW cashed in. Uh, so from there, just incredible spots. Jerry Lynn, who he had had his summer series with the previous year, he spots Jerry Lynn in the ring as one of the men who uh, who made the save. He he and Lance Storm double team Jerry Lynn until Super Crazy comes out and helps. It is now a tag match between the Impact players, Just Incredible and Lance Storm, and the natural tag team of Jerry Lynn and Super Crazy. Jerry Lynn rolls up Just Incredible and gets the victory. The Dudleys hit the ring, attack everybody who isn't a uh, heel. Joel Gertner says that now we're even. We owed you. Just Incredible says, no, we want the tag team titles. This started out with Tommy Dreamer and Francine. Let's, let's keep it going. There's more. I don't want to interrupt the stream of consciousness. I want people to experience what we experience. Next, again, keep in mind, this is all happening via digital photos, and Joey Styles is trying to hit all this super quickly. Bill Alfonso comes out. Uh, we're told by Joey that Sabu can't wrestle because he's hurt, something with his jaw. Just Incredible says he wants the Dudleys to win the tag titles and give them to he and Lance Storm. The Dudleys agree to this for some reason. Rob Van Dam says he'll do it. He says he'll defend against both Dudleys. Jim Molyneux, the referee, will not allow it. So now we will have Rob Van Dam versus Devon Dudley in a singles match for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Rob Van Dam kicks Bubba Ray Dudley in the face in still digital camera image. We then go to commercial. We come back from commercial. Wait, we go to commercial and, and I go... What? <laughs> Wait. Uh, this is where I watch this, and as someone who is not a drug user, I am wondering if someone slipped something in my drink. I am wondering if I'm smelling toast that is burned, because this is, I honestly can't remember more things happening in a description of a segment. Uh, no, it started with Francine and Tommy Dreamer. Shane Douglas was part of this, and it ends up with. The Dudley with Devon Dudley versus Rob Van Dam, and a match happened earlier in this ex explanation where yes, Jerry Lynn a, beat Just Incredible. A, a separate match involving none of these guys <laughs> happened in the none middle of these of guys. This. None of the guys that are in it, it's the like obviously ECW like to do things where a bunch like one thing would happen, another thing would happen, another thing would happen, and it would weave together three or four different storylines. But this is the most <laughs> so God i don't even know words don't describe just your brain as you're trying to follow this so we thankfully go to a commercial break we come back from commercial joey attempts to recap what he just recapped <laughs> yeah. which but he gives up which admirable totally get it he then says we have one camera angle back from the state state athletic commission they gave us <laughs> one camera angle back so we're gonna use that so Sabu still not cleared with his jaw injury. Uh, and we're told that he interfered anyway. So they tell us this before we see it. Like, before why? the match. So Sabu is going to interfere in this match. Yeah, and, stay tuned. And then, so this is what will get his license suspended. Um, okay. Can you, so this is a point now where 
I'm going to ask you to explain why was this show put together this way? <laughs> why did they do this to us? There has to be some sort of reason. Good, bad, or indifferent. There has to be a reason other than just this is what Paul Heyman thought would make for good TV on this particular week in late April 1999. I had the same thought, so I had to look it up. Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, reports TV, ECW TV this weekend was thrown together when the main angles shot in Buffalo were for, quote, technical reasons, unairable. Oh, wow. So none of the footage that they shot in Buffalo was arable on television. So So, by that, you mean the footage of everything that we talked about? Yes. uh, All that craziness, all the things that happened, the twists and turns, uh, the seemingly 12 or 13 different people that were involved. That footage was not arable. Nope. But uh, but apparently the main event, the match, the hard camera footage did was arable. Was we yes, saw it. yes. So they had they had this was enough to to air. The rest of it they had to f- just slap this show together on the fly, and that's why we got all these clipped matches and and everything else. So that's disappointing. I was hoping it was. I told was you it wasn't anything. It, it was. It's it's the most ECW reason why. Yeah. <laughs> just. Just a bunch of stuff was unairable for television. <laughs> it's also a very ECW thing that then they blamed it on the Athletic Commission, which is a very real thing that they essentially do have to deal with uh, <laughs> for real issues. And yet they they threw the Athletic Commission under the bus when instead it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was the fault of their television equipment, producer yep. Ron Buffon, whatever else you want to say. Uh, I don't think the Athletic Commission had anything to do with this. I'm sure this helped the relationship with the notoriously stingy New York State Athletic Commission. <laughs> so we get to see the footage now as it's RVD versus Devon Dudley. One hard camera angle uh, for the match. So it's basically the opposite of an ECW fan cam. If you recall buying those <laughs> yeah. off the internet from time to time, I where hated those. I know you loved them. I yeah. hated that fan well, cam I, experience. I, it was not ideal, but it allowed you to see any ECW show that happened. Uh, and there are always such interesting, different things that would happen, you know, in random buildings in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, or other places. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, there are always things that you'd be intrigued by. Um, but this was the opposite. Instead of just the one ringside camera, uh, this was just the hard cam. So in some ways it was like going back to watching you know, a show on the MSG network uh, from the WWF in the mid eighties. Japanese arm drag, a missed kick, but RVD hits the second kick. Can we, is it safe to assume that Rob Van Dam hit that Japanese arm drag and not <laughs> Devon Dudley? That, just wanted for clarity's sake, because again, there's a lot happening there's on this a- show. So I want to make sure that everyone knows who did what moves to each other. That's right. So this is, again, Joey Styles tries to recap that if Devon wins this match, the Dudleys will be World Tag Team Champions. But then they, they will turn the ex- belts over to Lance Storm and Just Incredible. With no explanation of why they would do that. No. We hear a passing comment they're about mercenaries. They're hired uh, hitmen or whatever. Yeah, it's- but there's also something that like they owe uh just incredible and lance storm something but we're never told what that is but it's referenced several times so this is there's a lot there's a lot to take in 
RVD jumps up. Looks like it's going to be a Rana attempt, but Devon quickly counters it into a powerbomb. Devon works him over, beats him down in the corner. RVD in the other corner leaps to the second rope, but Devon grabs him and hits a hangman's neckbreaker off the second rope. And what a bump RVD took off of this move. Oh, my God. This was incredible. So, Rob Van Dam, like, in terms of selling, like, in between moves, not much there. But Rob Van Dam actually selling a move. Selling the impact of a move. Few better in the history of wrestling. And on this, so, again, this is a hanging neckbreaker out of the corner. Rob Van Dam's legs are draped over the top rope in the corner, and uh, Devon Dudley hits him with a neckbreaker. Usually, that means the neckbreaker happens in said corner. Here, they somehow end up, the <laughs> impact happens in the middle of middle the, of the ring. ring. Yep. This is, it's, I had to go back in and watch this two or three times just to understand what I saw. Rob Van Dam was so great. Yeah, I feel like we didn't get to see enough Rob Van Dam taking Stone Cold stunners in his no. WWF run. <laughs> no, <laughs> there could have been some greatness there for sure. He would have been in the. Uh, he could have gave the, the Rock a run for his money. Yeah, he could have given the Rock a run for his money. Could have given Shane McMahon a run for his money. <laughs> he could have been on the Mount Rushmore of Stone Cold stunner takers, but we never got to see that. Thankfully, we did get to see him have a hardcore uh, title match with the actual taker, the undertaker. Oh, if you go, go back to the, uh, unforgiven 2002, I think, uh, yes. In, uh, in or the season it, one archives, unforgiven or was vengeance? it no mercy? Was it vengeance? vengeance. Yeah. It was vengeance. 2002 vengeance, 2002 in the, uh, season one archives, uh, in amazing hardcore championship match, it, Which between... is not something you can say that often. There aren't many no, of those. That's not, no, that is an uncommon sentence. The Undertaker and Rob Van Dam, one of the most uh, surprising matches the randomizer has brought us. Uh, yeah, go check that out. But back here, Devon slams him, goes off the second rope with a leg drop, and gets a two count. RVD then kicks his way back into control. A slam by RVD. We get the rolling thunder, his senton splash. Yeah, the ro- basically the, the somersault and then into another somersault splash. Uh, you talked about those kicks. Uh, he actually hit some pretty wild out of control. I'm sure they were in control, but just looked different than some of his normal ones. Hits uh, an enziguri and then a wild sort of jumping kick to the face. Uh, this was in some ways going back to the early Rob Van Dam where the character was actually a takeoff of Jean-Claude Van Dam. Yeah. Devon got his foot on the rope to stop the pin. A DDT attempt gets countered into a Northern light suplex by RVD. Can we also just briefly talk about the crowd noise here on this show? This was so weird because like you hear the actual chants happening, but if you're watching this and listening on headphones, as I often do when we're watching these shows that we're going to review, the thunder heat machine is working overdrive. <laughs> oh yeah. It is just loud, random sounds of people screaming. And then you're watching the show and nobody is like, there, there's nobody's motion or movement that you're seeing on the screen remotely matches the crowd noise that you're hearing. And then there's one point in this match where, Like the thunder heat machine broke and it stopped. And then everything got quite except for the actual crowd noise. And then like 30 seconds later, it came back 
it was very weird. And I don't remember a whole lot of that usually on ECW shows. Maybe that, I mean, maybe there were more than uh, just video issues. Maybe there are also audio issues that it, you know forced them to do that here uh, on this episode. A chair is placed on Devon's chest. And RVD then hits a split-legged moonsault off the top onto the chair on Devon. Yeah, an RVD brutal. selling that is always awesome. Selling, you know, the damage he does to himself when he does that move. Uh, this is another point on an ECW show where, again, when you're watching ECW on a week-in, week-out basis, you don't really notice it because you're just embedded in the world of ECW. But it's so jarring to see a split-legged moonsault onto a chair uh, and the ref just looking at it, not yes. even trying to stop it. <laughs> uh, then, speaking of those sorts of things, Bubba Ray Dudley gets on the apron. Referee Jim Malino is telling him to get down. So Bubba just clotheslines him. He just runs at him and clotheslines him. Uh, there's no uh, RVDs going for the pin. There's no ref. And, of course, there's not going to be a disqualification here. Nope. A new ref comes in. A.C. Huck? Was that the guy's name? Yes, yes. A guy that I'd forgotten about, but I once I saw him, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember A.C. Huck. He was a referee in ECW. Uh, Devon hits a reverse DDT at this point. New referee A.C. Huck uh, makes, the, makes the count. Only two. Then they go into the corner, and Devon Dudley throws the worst overhand chop I have ever seen in my life. It was so dainty. RVD comes off the second rope with a sidekick to Devon's face, leaps to the top rope, hits the five-star frog splash, but Bubba pulls the ref out and knocks him out. Joey Siles says, this is getting silly. Joey Siles is correct. Yes. The other thing that I know it is, now I know what TV shows both Gato and Dick Togo were watching <laughs> in 1999. Another ref is in. There's a low blow and a pile driver by Devon, and nobody takes a pile driver better than Rob Van Dam. <laughs> Absolutely. He he just pops out of that pile driver. For one, he just gets crushed, but then it's as though there are springs in his neck yes, that he get just compressed and then released and shoots up. shot into the air uh, like a firework. Uh, we should also mention the third referee here is John Pee Wee Moore, who is in warm-up pants, befitting of him being a member of one of the teams in the street fight at ROH Final Battle 2008, and then also wearing a referee shirt top. This is a look. Crowd chanting for Sabu. We get a spinning heel kick by RVD. RVD sets Devon on the top rope. Bill Alfonso holds the chair so that RVD can do the top rope Van Daminator kick. Gets a two count, and of course, Bubba Ray drops an elbow on the referee. <laughs> Just elbow drops the referee, and then throws a basement drop kick to Rob Van Dam. What am so, I watching? So, like, so at this point, it's, um, it's not just me groaning from my couch. It's you can see the fans in the crowd, yes, equally fed up with the fourth referee in this match like this is well yeah this is too much well you got jim malino coming back into the match as referee one is now referee four he's selling the uh selling the injury uh you also have to remember these people just sat through and saw all of that stuff that joey styles tried to explain (laughs) that we just explained to you then they saw this uh with all these ref bumps 
Uh, Malino is back up, back in. Uh, he makes the count. It's only two. Then the Dudleys hit the uh, the what's up before that was a thing. Uh, they hit that double team. Well, uh, so looking at this, I'm like, the commission is mad about Sabu, but yes, not about yes. Bubba Ray abusing the officials. There's 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 a, a priorities are out of whack here uh, for the, the commission athletic doesn't commission. care about uh, about John Pee Wee more. <laughs> He's not an athletic commission referee. It was if it was like. In the old days where the like they'd have to have a couple legit athletic commission referees on the shows. I've talked about that before at some of the early 90s WCW shows that I went to as a kid. If that guy got hit with a ref bump, <laughs> uh, got hit with a chair or something, an elbow drop, there might actually be legitimate suspensions coming down from the athletic commission. <laughs> and there might be deaths because usually those athletic commission refs were at least 75 years old. Uh, more double teaming. Still only a two count. We get a 3D attempt by the Dudleys countered into a DDT, and he hits a Van Daminator on Bubba Ray. RVD goes to the top, but Lance Storm is out, and he crotches Van Dam on the top rope. The Dudleys then hit the 3D off the top rope. The 3D off the top rope. I don't recall ever having seen this before. I'm sure I, I, didn't... I saw this. I yeah. saw this episode of TV, but I had no recollection of any of this. And I don't ever remember seeing them basically do a super 3D. A before super 3D. After. No, it was, it was, it was super impressive. Sabu hits the ring and he gets caned in his face oh. by just incredible. Now caned in his face, which is taped up. His jaw is taped up and he gets caned right in the jaw. Oh, it looked absolutely brutal as the Dudley's, pin rvd to win the world tag team championship storm gets some shots in on rvd well as he does we get loud uh, bs chants oh, from, yeah. from the ecw faithful here at the burt flickinger center in buffalo new york they are correct in their analysis they are they are <laughs> this was so over the top even for ecw and the fans are not feeling it uh, at, at this point, as you said, Lance Storm is getting in free shots on a prone Lance or on a prone Rob Van Dam, as uh, Joey Siles says that the tie-dyed mercenaries will now turn over the tag team belts to Lance Storm and Justin Incredible. Sabu fights back, but only to get caned again by Justin oh, yeah, Incredible. He, he gets caned hard in the back of the head, and then Bill Alfonso comes in. He gets caned right in the face, like oh. baseball swing style. Uh, with the cane from Just Incredible. That looked uncomfortable, to say the least. We then get a slow-motion instant replay of the Super 3D, which is basically, I think, used as an editing technique just to pass time uh, to get us to the moment where Just Incredible and Lance Storm are asking the Dudleys, uh, basically demanding that they hand the tag titles over to them. Instead of handing over the belts, they just flip off Credible and Storm, middle fingers all around, and they say they are keeping the titles, and the show goes off the air. Woo-wee. <laughs> what a weird episode of ECW television. And with that explanation from Jeremy, you understand why it was that weird. But for an ECW television program here, hardcore TV or later also ECW on TNN, they experimented with different formats. They did different things. Uh, I mentioned that, uh, that episode from a year prior built around Tommy dreamer 
uh, and just incredible when uh, the Sandman left and they did that whole storyline. Like that was a different type of show, but it worked. This is hands down the strangest episode of ECW TV I recall ever seeing. And one of the weirdest episodes of wrestling television in general, just from a formatting perspective and what, they, how many things they tried to cram in and explain. And so even with much. the extenuating circumstances, you have to think, you have to think there's a better way. If there wasn't these circumstances, could you imagine still trying to get all that stuff onto this show? Yeah, you <laughs> like, would have had to do it. It would have had to be a two-part show just to get in all the angles in what became the main event. Unbelievable. Yeah, so th- this was a, uh, a weird show, not indicative of a normal ECW television show. No, thankfully. Even for 1999, which... Uh, you know, there's already were cracks in the armor at this point, but it was still, a, a, by my estimation, a, a really enjoyable show with yeah, some absolutely. You know, legitimate ECW stars. Yeah, so definitely not something we would have chosen to watch for ECW, no. <laughs> but no. the randomizer uh, <laughs> takes us to an episode uh, that that was uh, it, it was interesting. At least we it got was not season. on the Mount Rushmore of ECW no. television history. Uh, that is for sure, but it's again, it's something we would not have watched before. We watched it and talked about it, and that was that was the the mandate, the charter of this show, and we started. And for better or worse, sometimes it lives up to it, uh, and it certainly did here. Uh, as far as best uh, or favorite thing on this show, there's not a ton to choose from. But really, honestly, it's it's the clip stuff. It's the yeah. It, to me, what it is more than anything is just. Taz being Taz, which we've talked about before on much better episodes of ECW TV. But here, Taz looking menacing in the ring with Steve Carino. And then Taz uh, just pulling, violently pulling Chris Candido off the off the stretcher and uh, choking him out in the ring with the neck brace on Candido. To me, that was, that was pretty clearly the highlight, along with getting to see Takama Shinoku do his thing here. That's right. An honorable mention uh, to RVD taking that neck breaker and that pile driver. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, those were definitely the best things on this show for me as well. Worst things on this show, uh, pff, it, it, the <laughs> poor Joey Styles having to recap <laughs> that stuff. Uh, that With was 1999 digital photography. <laughs> that was only terrible. Um, the the you know the Sal Graziano, terrible. Yeah, uh, that's that to me is the worst because that they had control over. They could have not shown that match. They could have shown us something else. That's, that was eight and a half minutes that they could yeah, have had back. Yeah, that eight and a half minutes could have been dedicated to either or both of uh, what we saw from Taz versus Candido or Takamishinoku versus Papi Chulo, or they could have shown us another match or another clip thing from Cyberslam. Which again looked like a hell of a show. That's right. Yeah. No. So those are those are the best and worst uh, on this show. The uh, and any other worsts for you that stand out? Oh God, I don't know. I think it was just sad seeing Tammy at this point. Sure. Yeah. That's like look it would right. get more sad as the years went by, but just seeing the the change, uh, just in in appearance in some ways, in lucidity. Uh, from the summer of 1996 to here uh, was not particularly uh, it's not particularly uh, positive to say the least. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think again, the, the weirdest thing was just for one, them how they had to try to explain everything that led to the main event. But to your point, a few minutes ago, the fact that they were trying to book that to begin with, because even if yes. every camera had worked, <laughs> this would have been a lot. It would have been completely nuts. <laughs> and so, all right. Uh, well, with that, that that's ECW. If you want to hear about some great ECW. Uh, that's in our bonus content and you can Heat sign- Wave 98 is one of the shows that we reviewed uh, from yep. a listener request. One of the best pay-per-views in ECW history. One of the best shows in ECW history. That's right. So if you want to hear us review that, you can find that over at patreon.com slash wrestling at random, or you can subscribe right in your Apple podcast, find some of those bonus content episodes Click on it, subscribe, you unlock all of the bonus content. We have hours and hours and hours in the Patreon back catalog as well as the Apple Podcast. You can unlock that bonus content on either platform and you get all of it for the $5 a month. You can, If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can bump up to the $10 tier and that's where you can be the randomizer. You can request a show. Someone requested that Heat Wave show and we, we watched it and reviewed it over uh, in the bonus content. So you can do that as well. We've also got t-shirts available on the Patreon if you support the show there. If you uh, are a new listener to this podcast on the free feed, we have uh, we're in season three, so we've got uh 60 70 now plus episodes in the back catalog go back listen to uh some of the ecw some of the uh some of the other shows we've done from season one major events season two weekly tvs all of that for no charge waiting for you in the back catalog of this podcast all of the back catalog is available of course at wrestling at random.com you can also interact with the show via Twitter, at WrestleAtRandom. Same thing for Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingAtRandom. And uh, if you want to send us an email instead of using social media, you can do that, WrestlingAtRandom at gmail.com. All those links are available, WrestlingAtRandom.com. Absolutely, and and definitely uh, definitely check out the, the bonus content as well. I know we talk about it a lot here on the podcast, but if you enjoy the show, you want to support the show. There's a lot of stuff over there. Uh, it's similar to the content here, but also different, partially because we just get a lot of oddball stuff there. Uh, <laughs> we let our hair down a little bit more over there. A lot of times it, uh, it not only is reviews of the shows or matches that we're talking about, but it can kind of veer into some, some stories uh, about our personal history, watching certain wrestlers. It can veer into uh, kind of a discussion of the, uh, the wrestlers' careers themselves. And there are times where each of us have been completely broken by shows. And so uh, if that's not worth hearing, I don't know what is. And we want to uh, thank everyone who is a, a patron subscriber. That's how we continue to, to do this show with your support. If you can't support the show financially, then make sure you tell your wrestling fan friends about the show. Show them how to subscribe to the podcast. That is the best way to support us if you do not subscribe to the bonus content. And we, uh, we're, we're up against it. We're going to call it a podcast. Uh, before we go, though, I do, I do see you, YouTube 
listeners to this podcast. So uh, uh, a special uh, shout out to you guys um, who are listening to the podcast via YouTube uh, and subscribing to the YouTube channel as well. So uh, the most organic growth of anything we've done in that up until if you're listening in linear fashion, I believe it was the just most recent episode prior to this was the first time we ever even mentioned anything about our show being on YouTube mentioned, you know, getting comments there or whatever. And we have hundreds of subscribers over there. So yeah. It's, and, it's and they're crazy. interacting with the show uh, yes. uh, with comments and everything in, uh, in the YouTube. So we love that as well. So uh, thank you to the YouTube listeners of the podcast as well. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to call it a podcast. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeremy. I am always happy when it pulls up ECW here when the randomizer does that. I really hope it doesn't pull up an episode like this ever again. <laughs> Hopefully this is a one-off. I didn't know an episode like this was no, possible. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully this is a one-off technical snafu. I do recall a few times where uh, ECW uh, accidentally sent the same tape uh, <laughs> to our local affiliate. Uh, two weeks in a row. Nothing was more disappointing than when you're already at two in the morning to watch a new episode of ECW. And it was the one you just watched last week. So uh, we won't run, we won't run into any issues like that here, but yeah, uh, we'll see what the randomizer has, uh, has for us. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.